when we say things like we cannot stoop to their level, that is ego talking. Hi, everybody. Welcome to The Virtue Signal. I'm Bill Whittle with my friend Alfonso Rachel, and this is the show where we try to take a look at some of the politics or maybe some of the hidden subtext underneath the, the daily headlines. Uh, Zoe, you probably heard the news that everybody's talking about this week as we record this. After a completely inconsequential and routine search of Donald Trump's uh, 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 personal property, Republicans are calling for civil war and Far-right uh, websites are saying that this is an outrage that may lead to civil war. And the news is reporting that there are comments on Donald Trump's website that may seem to indicate that, that the far-right, lunatic right is calling for civil war. So I want to talk about the politics of passive-aggressive, because that's, that's what this is, right? Passive-aggressive passive behavior is where you provoke somebody and provoke somebody and provoke somebody but you do it by, by maintaining, you, you stay just below the threshold of what can be provably shown to be an assault, right? You stay just below the threshold so that you have, so that you can gaslight your way out of it, you know? You, you, know, you say something horrible and somebody says, how could you say that? It's, well, I was just making, I don't know why you're so defensive, right? It's gaslighting and it's passive aggressive. And uh, Instapundit certainly has been pointing out, I forget who the, the, the tweet is from, it might be from um, Jim Treacher. I'm not 100% sure about that. But basically he said, when Democrats, when Republicans commit crimes, uh, that's the news. When Democrats commit crimes, the Republican reaction is the news. Republicans pounce, you know, and so on. So uh, I kind of want to get into this because I've always felt that Passive-aggressive behavior, well, first of all, seems to be essentially the, let, let me put it this way, the, the most passive-aggressive people I know are also the most liberal people I know. Mm. That's not a causality, but it is a correlation. Uh, and there's something about this strategy that seems to suit uh, the left temperamentally. Uh, they, And a lot of it's got to do with the, just the general cowardice and the subterfuge that they're so used to employing. They can't come out and say what their politics are because if they do, they'll never get elected. So they get very good at covering things up, and that's just a nice way of saying they get good about lying about what they believe in. But I've noticed that they don't ever seem to have the, the intellectual courage, the moral courage, or the spiritual courage to simply stand up and say, this is what I believe. They always seem to have a way to, to kind of poke, 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 and then, and then when the response comes, pounce on that as if, as if the responder is the, is the threat. And everybody who's ever had any siblings knows how this works. Anybody who's, well, at least people my age, I don't guess they go much for long car drives anymore, but if you had a family, and I did, and you occasionally went for long car rides, and I did, and most of you watching out there did too, you know exactly how the passive-aggressive response works. You're sitting in the back seat minding your business, there's no device to look at, you're counting license plates or whatever you did on a nine-hour drive back in those days, I've blocked it out. <laughs> and your brother will start poking you. Uh. And you'll look in and stop, and it says, "Stop it!" You know, 
hey, quit it. And he'll keep, he'll keep poking you, keep poking you. And after a while, after you've warned him 17 or 18 times, he'll just keep doing it. And so finally, just boom, you just pop him a good one on the arm. Oh, Bob, Bill hit me. He just hit me for no reason. You know, <laughs> that's, what, what, me? Yes, you can get out of the car, Billy, and walk the rest of the way to Disney World. Uh, but that's how it works. And, and we're seeing this everywhere. And, and I think they've even taken it to a point where it's actually reached kind of a, a, a political form of genius. Mm. And what I mean by that is they, they have mastered the art of accusing somebody of something that they themselves are guilty of. Mm-hmm. And they understand that this preemptive strike will, first of all, tie things up and mitigate it so that what you what would have been a terrible loss, you did this horrible, horrible thing, by accusing somebody who didn't do anything of this, the worst case scenario is a tie now, right? Well, you did you kept these secret emails on your server and, and you and you committed treason and broke the law thirty thousand times. Well, you took documents home too, and you you uh, did all these other things, and, and now you're being hypocritical because you said we should lock Hillary up and we shouldn't, you're saying we shouldn't lock Donald Trump up, and all the rest of it, right? And all of the little insignificant details like Donald Trump had been working with these people, that these were not classified secrets, that these were documents that the president has a right to take home for because he has to establish a presidential library. We go all and all and all down this line, and we all know about the double standards, but I'm interested in the psychology of it. Because, because the, that passive-aggressive response is the signature of the modern Democratic Party. We will do things that are so provocative. We will do things that are so outrageous. We, w- we will do things that, that simply cannot be born. And then when you respond to them, to whatever degree, then we'll call it an insurrection, an uprising, a civil war. We'll call it hate speech. We'll call it this. We'll call it that. We'll call it all of these things. And... It's been extremely effective, but I do get the feeling that after, oh, I don't know, it doesn't take conservatives too long to really wake up to this. I'd say maybe 30, 40 years of it. (laughs) But slowly, it's beginning to dawn on us that this is how they operate and that it's time to start uh, changing our tactics. Indeed, man. And and, and one of those tactics would be is is really is really realizing who the Democrats are. It's not It's not about realizing what they do or anything like that or having all this information about all the tactics or, or strategies or indiscretions or all that. It's, that's not about that. It's about who they are. Like when we talk about, you know, Democrats not having like, uh, you know, the intellectual honesty or being moral or anything like that. Well, if they were moral and they were intellectually honest and they and actually played by the rules, man, well, they They'd wouldn't be, be Democrats. Yeah, they wouldn't be Democrats at all. We have to figure out, We, you know, like our, sometimes I hear conservatives talk about like, uh, you know, the Democrats need to get in there and do their job. No, they don't. You don't. You do not want them to do their job. They were elected or were able to get their office for a particular reason. And it's definitely to misrepresent us, even though they're all about representation and stuff like that. They are beset on misrepresentation. They misrepresent a lot of things. Um, and and especially when it comes to, I guess, the facts. Um you know, and this is another instance, though, of uh, I'm seeing Republican voters get gaslit. Uh, this is another instance of, uh, you know, Republican voters being led into something that they should. There should be a blazing sign, you know, telling them, dude, do not go down this path. Do not follow their narrative 
into this. And like you said, you know, they're able to just keep poking the bear and make all these subtle moves. I say it a thousand times. They are reflective of the scripture where it says you are of your father, the devil and the sins of your father. You will do the first description about the devil is that he's subtle. Right. Included mm-hmm. in the meaning of his descriptions that he's subtle. He's shrewd. He's crafty. Right. However, despite this subtle nature that he has to basically really lead people into a trap where he's like a roaring lion and there's no getting away from him is when he appears, he appears as a flipping snake. You know what you do when you see a snake? Well, you back up. Right. It's like you don't you don't want to you don't want to mess with the snake. All right. So he's obviously a figure that you don't want to get wrapped up in if you want to pardon the pun. You know, but at the same time, his language is subtle. Right. And how he goes about doing these things until that, you know, he's either got you in constriction or his venom starts coursing through your veins. So this is what the Democrats do. They've been doing this. And, you know, if we're going to be in a, a civil war, which I've implied cold, that we are civil war. Yeah. Yeah. This, we, we are the cold, the cold version of it. Right. It's happening. It's like was was this happening to Donald Trump? The, the, the wake up call for the sleeping giant? You know, we're you've awakened a sleeping giant. We've been waking a sweet sleeping giant for like 30 years. Yeah, you know? it's about time to actually get out of bed, sleeping giant. Yes. Know? Can we do you something? You may be awake staring at the ceiling. It's time to get up, get the coffee and, and get to work. Right. Let's get to work uh, and stop following the Democrat narrative. Because if we are going to be in a civil war, uh, and I, I, I understand, I understand a lot of Republican voters, they get tired of hearing this. And I get tired of saying it because I get tired of seeing it. If we're going to be in a civil war, you need to realize who you are in it, right? You can't, Republican voters, I know to a lot of Republican voters, they think that it's just, you know, it's simple language or it's semantics. The, 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 the problem with that is that I keep hearing Republican voters keep using the language as if they expect it to have some sort of effect. And it does, yes. but it's not a good one. For instance, when they talk about this FBI raid, they're talking about this being radical leftism. Please let me reiterate. There's no such thing as a radical leftist. There's no such thing. It's redundancy. It's redundancy. Well, the thing is, in order to be a radical, you have to be rooted. That's what radical means. Right. The the base, the foundational meaning of the word radical is to be rooted. Liberals aren't rooted in anything. They don't have a root. They have no core. They're not solid. Do these people look solid to you? Right. They're not solid. In order to be a radical, you have to have a fixed and set foundation to be rooted in. So if Republicans were actually flipping radical like we were founded to be, the abolish rabbit, liberals wouldn't be pulling this up. The last time Republicans were radicals, they dealt with Democrats. Yeah, right. Sure. That's what happened. And Democrats were recognized as if, if I can, I, I'd like to read something really quick. Let me read sure. this really no, quick. Absolutely. See, because we got a lot of Republican voters out there who uphold the Constitution, but they don't. But it's like the language of the Constitution itself ain't good enough for them. So when we have this, what the Constitution says, whoever incites, sets on foot, assists or engages in any rebellion, or insurrection against the authority of the United States or laws thereof, or gives aid and comfort thereto shall be fined under the title, imprisoned, not more than 10 years, et cetera, et cetera. The Constitution calls what Democrats are doing rebellion. Why don't we call them that? Why don't we call them what the Constitution calls them? Why don't we call them what the Bible calls them? Why do we give them our distinction? If we were actual radicals, we deal with them. We haven't been radical for a long time. You know, because, like I said, to be a radical, when Republicans were founded, they were on the radical idea that the truth, 
The truth that you know, being the Lord himself, the author of liberty himself, sets people free from the lies that tell you that you're not. Democrats, the rebellious against the Constitution and the God-given rights of man, were the ones lying and say, you're not really a person and you're not really free and we can make you property. So that was a rebellious idea against the supreme law of the land, against God, the Constitution, all of it. It was a rebellious idea and they're still doing it to this very day. So there is no, you know, semantics here. There is a, like we talk about the power of language. The Democrats are controlling language and Republicans help them do it. So this raid is a rebellion. The rebellion has already happened. The rebellions are the one, the rebels are the ones who are in power. So what are we going to do about it? Are we going to let, are we going to keep following the Democrats lead and let them control the language? And, and, and so all this to say, bringing this back to the civil war aspect of it, I think Republicans need to remember who they are in it before they go ahead and start trying to engage in this faction that is controlling everything. And that is just brilliant. It really is, because by calling them uh, the rebellion rather than the resistance, by calling Mm. them the rebellion, it immediately ties them into the last time they had a major rebellion against the Constitution, which is when they took the Democratic Party out of the United States and formed the Confederacy. Mm -hmm. And when you say those that the entire uh, state laws in in the Confederacy, the, the laws that the Democrats fought a war over to maintain and and then fought a guerrilla war over after they'd lost the actual military battle to maintain, puts them, puts them right where they belong. You know, we, we talk about the power of language, and I think a lot of people still don't really understand it. I think, I think that we have a hard time with intangibles, and, and that's because we're realistic, practical people. It's difficult to actually see the causal relationship between language and, and its political effects. It's a difficult thing for us, very easy for them. One of the you constantly point out so many uh, stories in the Bible and then and then supply context underneath that makes it just that much more compelling and wise. And and when you want to talk about the power of language, you talked about something I think is just really, really important. When you see a snake, you, your first impulse is to run away, right? Because humans and snakes have not had a great relationship (laughs) and it's not the human's fault. Uh, But when you go to that story of the temptation by the serpent, what, what God is explaining in that story is even the most repulsive, repellent, dangerous, obviously dangerous creature can charm you uh-huh. out of your natural, normal, appropriate fear and, and loathing response, can charm you with the power of language to completely abandon your pre-existing idea of what a snake is, which is something that will bite you. Uh-huh. And he will bite you. You know why? Because he's a snake. <laughs> but but they have the, the power to charm, which brings me back to another part of this equation. And that is, yes, the, the, the serpent and, and, the, and the evil forces in the world have a mastery of rhetoric that we don't have. They have to. If, if you're going to be lying all the time, you better be damn good at language, right? I mean, you better be a convincing actor because that's all acting is. Acting is lying, you know. You're a great actor. Don't ask me. <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but no, but seriously, and, and so 
when it, the other part of this of this charm equation, right? So how did the snake charm Eve? Well, he did it through the power of language. Yes, that's an important thing to understand. What's the next step in that argument? Okay, the next step in the argument is, what words did he use? In other words, yes, he had an astonishing gift of language, but he didn't put a gun to her head. Exactly. What did he say that convinced Eve mm. to go along with this? And now we get to... The fundamental weakness, it seems like every single episode we do comes back to this fundamental weakness, and that's pride. Not mm -hmm. the good pride, narcissistic pride. I'm not aware, you might be, I'm not aware of the actual wording that Satan used dis, dis, uh, when he was disguised as a snake. What a disguise, by the way. You would think, you would think he would come he, disguised as a bunny rabbit. <laughs> no, I'm serious. This, this is an interesting question, right? You would think that if evil were going to come to the world and tempt you, come in the form of a bunny rabbit, but he doesn't. He comes in the form of a snake. And that makes the power of the language even more impressive. But here's, here's the point I was trying to make. What did he say to Eve? I don't know the exact words, but I will tell you this. Whatever he said to Eve was something that made Eve feel good about herself. Mm -hmm. and, that, and that it was the the vanity and the pride in Eve, and I'm not leaving Adam out of this, I'm not leaving anybody out of this. Certainly I'm as more victim to this than, than most people. But, but what the snake did and what the Democrats do is they find a way to tell a story that makes it appealing for us to believe them and makes it, at the same time, makes us feel a certain repugnance towards ourselves if we don't agree with them because it is crafted in such a way that that it's presented as look how smart you are look how virtuous you are look how beautiful you are look look how 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 badly you're being treated look how you're being oppressed mm -hmm. you know a person like you should never have to deal with this kind of thing you're an exceptional person you should be able to 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 be the person that you want to be and somebody's keeping you down and on and on and on and on and on with these things but when it's all said and done when it's all said and done, it's, a, it's an appeal to the ego. Mm -hmm. It's an appeal to the ego. And when we don't fight back against being called racist, and by fighting back, I, I mean just not shutting up. When you take all of it away, right, all of it, strip all of the injustice and all of the hypocrisy away, strip it all away. If you shut up when somebody calls you a racist or a homophobe or a transphobe or whatever, and you know that something's wrong and you shut up, you are shutting up. Not because they put a gun to your head. You're shutting up because of your personal pride, because of your personal narcissism and ego. You don't want to be perceived as a bad person by your friends or on social media. And I'm not saying there aren't real-world consequences like being fired and all the rest of it, but nevertheless, you don't want to be thought of badly. And so you remain silent in the face of obvious truth. And that is... The flaw in the human heart that evil has always used to worm its way into our consciousness and our spirits and all the rest of it and, and, and pervert our, our integrity and our uh, respect and, and all of that and honor. That's the, that's the crack they use to get, that's the chink in the armor that, that they've always been able to find. They found it in the garden, and they, they're finding it today. 
Indeed, man. And, you know, and we talk about these things, Bill, because we don't we don't want to talk about dealing with symptoms. You know, we want to get down no, to no, the no, core. No, no, exactly you know, right. You know, so an FBI raid has has been, um, you know, exacted. That's the language that they're using. You know, the FBI exacted a warrant, which I think I don't know. I mean, or or uh, I'm sorry, executed, executed a warrant. Uh, and I, I don't know. I don't really like that language as it is. It, it makes it sound like the FBI just figured that they would just go ahead and raid somebody's house. Uh, they had to get a warrant. Uh, I mean, to me, the language just sounds kind of lazy, but they had to get it. But, and, and, and that's why it goes deeper than that, because it's not just about the FBI. It's the judges you know, or the judge that they were to get the warrant from. You know, this goes really deep in what what it is that we're dealing with. And I don't want to just deal with, OK, this immediate symptom of, of what's happened, man. We need to get down to the core of it and how the, the Democrats have been able to manipulate this country into this kind of power that they have in this abuse. of we want to really talk about abuse of power that they try mm-hmm. to accuse us of. It's like, no, that's y'all all day. You know, so it, but you're right with, with when, we're, when we're talking about because this is part of an accusation. That's what they're coming in there with. Right. An accusation. This all this this intrusion in this home is based on an accusation. And that's where the devil was able to get his power over Adam and Eve. It wasn't even just about the temptation of what was on the tree. The reason why he was able to get that kind of control over was in his namesake. Satan, his name means the accuser. He didn't just say, hey, Eve, this apple is good to eat. He accused God falsely. That's right. He gave gave an alternative reason Mm -hmm. for why... She was not allowed, he, or either of them were not allowed to eat the apple. Yes. He gave them an alternative explanation that appealed to their sense of pride and ego. That's right. God doesn't want you to be as good as he is, but if you take a bite of that apple, you will be. He's trying to keep you down. And, and, and then comes right back to the, that's the mirror, right? That's the Mm -hmm. symbol. Of Venus is uh, oh look look at my look at my beautiful reflection uh huh uh huh and see and right there so when we when you ask you know why didn't Satan come to this he didn't have to come to it as a, as a bunny rabbit he didn't have to look like an innocent little bunny it's like look man all I got to do is make God out to be the bad guy and I'll look like a bunny rabbit anyway and that's but my point my point about the bunny rabbit is is it, it is it, it it all of these images are there for a reason mm-hmm. right all of these uh, characters and 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 avatars or whatever. Are there for a reason, yeah. and and the story of of Adam and Eve could have been retold with a fawn, a newborn fawn walking out of the forest and, mm. and tempting Eve that way, and that would have been a lot more understandable, mm. right? Would have been easier for us to to say, well, I, well it came from a fawn, but the, but the fact that it came from the most despised creature on the earth, that creature was chosen, yes, to highlight the power. Mm-hmm. Of what was coming out of that forked tongue devil's mouth. Yep, yep. That and and also because God, being the just God He is, He leaves you with no excuse. It's like, dude, there's a snake. If if, if you're walking through, that's a, right. That's a great point. Right? Yeah, that's right. Leaves you with no excuse. Right. It's not like okay, well, I, you know what? Actually, you know, a fawn. Yeah. No, it's like. It was a snake. What part of this did you not realize? Absolutely. Absolutely. If you're, if, you're, if you're walking, if you're walking on a trail with your wife and a snake is like right there, you can be like, uh, back up, honey. Right. Or if, if, if you, maybe if you're cornering somebody, you're going to try to do something about it. You're not going to be like, let, let your wife like try to pet the snake or talk to it or anything like that. Oh, what a cute little snake. No. Look, if you're <laughs> progressive, you could stand behind your wife and say to the snake, do what you want to the girl. Just leave me alone. Yeah, something like that. Right. Or, or yeah, try to yeah. film it and put it on, on, on Dodo or something like that for, for, for the animal activists. But the thing is, 
you know, a lot of when it, when it gets down to the language and, and the, this, these lessons have been taught to us. We see how this works. We've already been given the playbook of how this works. But, you know, with Saul Alinsky, Saul Alinsky has played more of a role in not just manipulating liberals, but Republicans as well. That's well, that's the genius of Alinsky. Right, the genius. Alinsky understood the national character of America. He understood the American character. He understood the decency, he understood the morality, he understood mm -hmm. the fairness, he understood all of that. And so he devised a battle plan mm -hmm. that would use these moral strengths as weaknesses. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And so when Saul Alinsky uses the language of calling the devil a radical, Republicans associated that with what the left is doing. They're following the lessons of Saul Alinsky from the flipping grave. He's controlling the way people think from the grave. Right. So when you have people giving they're, they're making this association with Saul Alinsky and using that, it's like, no, Satan, number one, Satan wasn't a radical. Satan was a rebel. If Satan was a radical, he would have stayed rooted in what God said in the first place. But he rebelled against God. That's what he did. So we it's it would be fantastic. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. We, we, we make our, our, our we, we make our living on using words, and we do expect them to have an effect. They could be destructive or they could be constructive. So this kind of thing where I'm, I'm seeing, you know, especially, you know, like with the MAGA crowd and, and Trump himself, it's like, Trump, man, you, you're doing yourself a disservice, trying to help you, not trying to criticize you, trying to be constructively uh, uh, critical here. But the language that Trump himself and a lot of the MAGA folks have gone along with have given the left, everything that they need to how, how much how much more does the left have to do? You got a lot of conservative and Republican voters following the lead of the mainstream commentators. They're being That's betrayed it. by these people. We're being seduced by the language. Exactly. And this is their, your mainstream conservative commentators. Now, their methods and their language is what's being tried and tested. And it's failing. Right. It's proof. The proof of concept is being proven to fail. And I'm trying to tell folks, like, look, need to make a different approach on this before we actually end up in a hot civil war and you really don't know who you are in it. And that's going to turn out really bad. Now, you're right. You call Satan a radical or the snake a radical. They're not. They're rebels. But you know what? You know what they are in addition to being rebels? They're traitors mm. is what they are. They're traitors. Yes. They're traitors. They're not just people who walked away from authority. They're people who turned against the authority that empowered them in the first place. They're traitors. And that's how we should be talking about these people because that's what they are. And to close this uh, little discussion about passive aggressiveness with an example that perhaps we can all relate to, which occurred to me pretty much as we did this episode, I started this conversation by talking about Th these experiences we have as a kid where somebody will poke you and stop it, poke you, poke you, stop it, poke you. I said, <laughs> quit it. Poke, 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 poke. Boom. Why, why, why? Billy hit me for no reason. The correct response to that, if you've got a brother like that, and I did, the correct response to that is poke, wham. Right? Mm. Wham. Now, he start crying and saying, Billy hit me. And I'll say, he poked me. He poked me once, but he pokes me all the time. Now, you can make me get out of the car and walk to Disney World, and that's fine. There's nothing I can do about that. But I guarantee you, he's not going to poke me again. And, and that's the lesson. We 
when we say things like we cannot stoop to their level, that is ego talking. Okay, it's ego talking. I understand the entire argument of not becoming the enemy to fight the enemy, but our history, our American history, shows countless examples of where we had to go off of the the behavioral norms that we wanted to maintain in order to protect the behavioral norms that we would like to maintain. And you cannot deal with people who do not play by the rules by playing by the rules. Mm. The rules that we talk about are not the rules. There are no rules. Those are the new rules. You understand? I know it sounds a little uh, little bit too much like sophistry, but what I'm saying is when your opponent refuses to play by standards of morality, law, spirituality, constitutionality, it's a big one for us. When they absolutely disregard that and we say, well, we're going to play by the rules, we're not playing by the rules because those aren't the rules anymore. Playing by the rules, constitutionally, for example, would be using constitutional arguments and civil discourse and all the rest to deal with people who were also following the rules of the Constitution. And that's essentially what much of this history of this country is. Most of it is pretty much that. That's what the difference between Republicans and Democrats was for most of the history, except when they're, you know, launching civil wars and stuff to keep their slaves. But when the, when the opponent openly admits and then for 30 years demonstrates that all of the things that you are calling the rules have no meaning for them whatsoever. Now you've got a new set of rules. Those are the rules of the fight you're in now. The rules are that the rules that you used to abide by, decency, civility, lawfulness, those are not the rules anymore. The rules are none of those things matter. And, And that doesn't mean that we end up being like them, but it does mean that we better start understanding that the only thing that is going to prevent the left from doing things like they did at Mar-a-Lago is to do exactly to them what they did to Donald Trump and to throw all of them into a dungeon. Mm. When that happens, they'll still be evil and they'll still be rebellious and they'll still be traitors, but they'll have to take another two or three generations to figure out the next new way to do it. And until we get to that point, it's just going to get worse. Fortunately, these people, while extraordinarily persuasive, are not very bright. And when you couple this raid with the announcement that they want 87,000 new IRS agents and that the job description says that many of these special agents will have to be armed and use deadly force or be willing to, now you begin to understand that they will continue to do these things until we stop them. Not until they stop. They'll never stop. There will never be enough for them. They will never, ever, ever come to a point. It's inconceivable for them, for there ever to be a point in American politics, no matter what those politics are, they will never come to a point when the left says, okay, now we're satisfied. Because they're in a perpetual state of rebellion and, and treason. That's what they do. That's who they are. And it doesn't ever get to a point where they'll be satisfied or happy because that's because snake is a snake. <laughs> the essence of conservatism is leave me alone. And the essence of, of progressivism is I'm going to tell you what to do. There is no point on this spectrum. We have already, already, our side has, has taken this and this and this. All right, we'll put up with this and the mass mandates and we'll put up with this and we'll put up with this and put up with this because we just want to stay here. But they, there is no position for them where they will not continue to do this. So 
they just have to be fought. And my final thought on this and Donald Trump and all the rest of it is, I saw this happening in 2016. I spoke about it as loud as was technically 2017. When Donald Trump was elected, I saw so many Republicans and conservatives say, okay, problem done, problem solved. Mm -hmm. Hooray, we won. We got a good guy in there now, problem solved. You, Ronald Reagan could come back from the grave at age 40 and be, be fit as a, as a fiddle and, and could have George Washington as his vice president. And you could, you could bring back every single political leader that you ever admired and put him in Congress. And the fight is never over mm -hmm. because these people never stop. Rust never sleeps. Mm -hmm. And so we either realize that and get out there and fight this every day or we watch our freedoms bleed away and we got no one to blame but ourselves. For Alfonso Rachel, I'm Bill Whittle. Thanks for joining us on The Virtue Signal. We'll see you next time.